and uh, this is his father up for Brother Roger today. And uh, he and I go way back to, we, he uh, played uh, rhythm guitar and I played lead guitar. And we crisscrossed the country playing music together and I appreciate him being able to be here today. But I wanted to say this is that I was there with Jim just a few months ago in his church and looking forward to going back in, in September for uh, the 7th for an evening service. But God has his hand upon this young man, and it's very obvious. He is, uh, God is opening doors for him literally around this nation. And God has set up a blaze in Ohio, what he is doing. He just started a church there 13 short months ago. And uh, he told me last Sunday that the auditorium was packed out with standing room only. And, uh, yeah. And I've spent all weekend with another generation of young leaders that God is raising up. And not just Jim, but some others. And I won't take time to do that today and tell you all about that. But I see that there is a, a spirit that some would say is a radical spirit. But I've been in the church long enough to know that it's not a radical spirit. It's just a return to the roots of what we have seen in the body of Christ. And so there is a longing... There is a hunger in my heart for the parades of flesh and the days of personalities to be over and for there be a manifestation and a revelation of who Jesus is to return to the house of God again. I'll talk to you more about that next Sunday. But will you help me welcome the man of God today, Pastor Jim Lovejoy. Let's honor him today as he comes. Come on, stand to your feet all over this building right now. Come on and give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Come on, he's the one that's worthy of it all. Come on, come on, he's your God. Give him praise and give him glory and give him honor. Come on, give him praise. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Man, as pastor began to speak right there, just begin to grip my heart and tears begin to roll down my face because in one sentence, what he said right there is literally all I've been preaching across the nation. That we are going into a season of reformation. And reformation is not a new thing. I want to tell everybody in the room, listen, there's nothing new under the sun, the Bible says. The way it is is the way it was, and listen, the way it's always going to be. And I'm telling you right now, just because there's a falling away right now does not mean that America is in a bad place. You know what that means? America is in the best place for a worldwide revival, the greatest move of God we've ever seen in the history of mankind. And you want to know what? That move of God is you. It's not going to be from pulpits anymore. It's going to be from grocery stores. It's going to be from gas stations. 
I love the buildings and facilities that we build in America. But I'm telling you right now, God never told us anywhere in the scripture to build big, elaborate buildings. You know what he told us to do? Claim territory. And what's going to happen in this house this morning is you're going to get marching orders. And we're going to say yes. Everywhere that I've been going, I say this. It's 100% participation. I don't care if you've been saved for a year. I don't care if you've been saved for 30 years. Listen, God equips the call. He puts it in you. He puts it in you. And the problem is, we have this pharmaceutical mindset that begins to tell people that you got to sit in pews for 30 years. I'm telling you right now, I've only been doing this thing for eight years, and I'm going all over the nation. So let's remove the spirit of religion right now, and let's say, let's go to the highways, and the byways, and the high schools, and the elementary schools, and the crack houses, and the bars, and see revival sweep a city. Before I get started, I just want to give honor in this house. What an honor it is to stand in this pulpit. Because I'm going to tell you right now, y'all get great preaching all the time. And I don't hold a candlestick to the two men of God that I'm preaching before today. I know the word of God that comes out of Pastor Brian's mouth and Pastor C.T.'s mouth. I've sat under this man since I was a little boy. And one of the first sermons I ever preached was in the shower. It was when my Sunday school teacher, when I was five years old, named Fran Matthews, taught me one simple verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God didn't send his son to condemn the world. But through him the world might be saved. We're missing a piece in the American church. And we're going to find that peace today. And I'm going to begin to tell old stories in this house. So that your faith begins to stir and begins to arise. You want to know why? Because the Bible says faith coming from hearing and hearing coming from the word of God. That word hearing in the Greek is ekleohim. Which means faith comes from experience. Faith comes from every single one of you are here. Not because you heard a good preacher. Because you had an encounter with the one. That was bigger than any 12-step program, bigger than any counseling session you've ever been a part of in your life. You had an experience with the one that hung naked between heaven and the earth. You had an experience with the one that when you gazed in his eyes of fire and you began to feel his passionate love, you were never the same again, my friend. You were never the same. You had one experience that changed your life forever. It was bigger than repeat a prayer. I'm telling you right now, you had an experience with the one. And I'm thankful to be a carrier of the gospel, to run all over this nation with a group of circuit riders, to begin to preach the old stories and bring reformation to the church. The word reformation starts out broken in two things, re, which means to go back. Reformation is not a new thing. It's not a new thing at all. Reformation is literally re going back to the original foundation, the original form that it was intended to in the book of Acts chapter 2. That it was more than just speaking in tongues, but it was seeing the power of God begin to manifest itself on the earth. That entire cities were saved in one day, in one moment, because of one man's obedience. 
Go ahead and have a seat, and we're going to get into this thing. If you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to Matthew chapter 16. And then from there, we're going to jump over to Luke 15 this morning. And man, what an honor. I just can't get over where I'm at this morning. I'm telling you, there's no place I'd rather be except home with my beautiful wife. But other than that, I'm telling you right now, this is a huge, huge honor for me. Huge honor for me. When my daddy was diagnosed with two tumors on his neck, and they said that he would never talk again, he'd never sing again. God used a man by the name of C.T. Matthews to anoint my father and lay hands on him. Come on, let faith begin to arise in the room. They said my daddy would never talk again. They said he'd never sing again. That the the scar from the surgery would damage his vocal cords so bad that I would never hear my father's voice ever again say, Son, I love you. But I'm telling you right now, we serve a God that is not dead. He's alive. story goes like this. We call forth the elders of the church. They anoint him's head, pray the prayer of faith and guess what? My dad missed the surgery. He never had to have surgery on his vocal cords. See, I don't want to tell you old stories from the Bible. I I want this to resonate within your spirit of what the, the inheritance and what you sit under in this house. It's time that we begin to understand the inheritance and the hour and the honor of where we are. Oh, I'm telling you right now, in a mere 13 months up north, we've seen cancer fall off babies. We've seen cancer get burned up in people's stomachs. All from what? A bunch of misfit rednecks in the middle of nowhere just saying yes to the call of God. Dysfunctional as all get out, but saying yes to prayer at 5.30 in the morning, saying yes to prayer meetings in the evening, throwing their TVs out of the lawn, saying America has to turn back to God. There was a man by the name of Morris Smith that was in a church service. And, and, and at the time, it would have been Pastor C.T.'s pastor, a man that we call Brother Camp, was preaching in a service. I love telling the old stories. And I know C.T. and friends are going to remember this. Pastor Camp is preaching in the middle of his preaching. In the middle of his message, he stops and he points at Morris Smith and he says, you need to go home right now. Mark shot Junior in the chest at point blank with a BB gun and he's going to die. But you're going to go to the hospital and you're going to lay hands on your son and he's going to live. Pastor Camp had an out-of-body experience that while he was preaching to his congregation, that was not a large congregation. Get the mindset out of your mind that God has to move in the megachurch because I'm telling you right now, God doesn't show up half the time to the megachurch anyway, but it's in the little remnant spots that are seeking God with all of their heart and they're more worried about people and the kingdom rather than somebody's wallet and their attendance. 
And those small little moments I was marked as a kid. And those things never, never faded from my memory. And guess what happened? Morris gets up. He goes to the hospital. Junior dies. Morris goes in, lays hands on his own son. The preacher didn't lay hands on him. The evangelist didn't. A daddy that had a burning fire with a passion for God went in and said, Not my son. No devil. I have the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And I'm going to raise my boy from the dead. Ending story went like this. Junior's alive. Junior's alive serving the Lord today. Why am I telling you this? Because I sit under an apostolic five-fold ministry of a man by the name of Tim Sheets and Dutch Sheets. And Dutch had a dream about a year ago of all these ambulances with dead people in them all over. And angels were all over the ambulances. They were all over. And all of a sudden, the head angel saying, they're dying everywhere. They're dying. And all of a sudden, mourning began to come in the dream. And silence hushes over the crowd, Dutch said. And then all of a sudden, from a far off distance, you hear this. I have a heartbeat. I have a heartbeat. And another angel yells from across the way, What did you do? The angel said, I told the old stories. I told the old stories. And they begin to tell the old stories of what God used to do. They begin to give remembrance and honor to the things that God has already done in the past. They'll make a memorial of it and say this is where God stops. But they're saying, God, if you did it here, you can do it again. 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 And do you want to know what started to get resurrected out of those ambulances? Intercessors, intercessors, prayer warriors that I remember at seven and eight years old that would come an hour before church, before anybody got there, and they would grab hold of the horns of the altar and begin to cry out for the lost and cry out for the sick. And guess what happened? When they begin to cry out, God would answer. You want to know what one of the pieces is that's missing in America? We need to return to prayer. We spend more time on our Facebook, on our television, come on, in our hobbies, golfing, fishing, hunting. Listen, oh, you're one of them guys. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. You want to know why? Because I have four kids, ages six, five, five, and three. And I refuse, I refuse to let America go the direction that it's going. I say all by myself, God, if I have to take a stand, I'm taking a stand. But God began to show me something as I began to pray that. He said, you won't take a stand if you really believe. Because if you begin to look at our history in America, listen, we're going to get into the Bible, but I got to get you to what's going on right now in the culture. I got to get you to what's going on, what's happened in the 20th and 19th century to begin to shift America. You see, when you get somebody that believes in something so much, let's go back to 1962. In 1962, in one state, in the state of New York, one woman began to believe in something so much that she formed a team. And guess what her team's cause was? It was to take prayer out of the school. And that team began to form a 
a group and they were so driven on what they believed in that they sold out everything in their life until prayer in the state of New York had stopped in the school system. And guess what happened? One state impacted a nation. When one state gets turned, it impacts a nation. Guess what happened just 10 years later? 10 years later in 1970. In 1970, one woman had an issue. Her issue was what? That abortion should be legalized in the state of Texas. She begins to form herself a team. Her team begins to believe in what she's believing in. And guess what happens? One state shifts an entire nation that we now kill innocent babies. Just 10 years after that, in 1980, the state of Kentucky, one person has a dream and a vision and believes in something so much that we're going to take the Ten Commandments out of every political institute. Guess what happened? One state shifts a nation. When does Christianity start to believe again? When does this church today see if one church can catch a fire? A church on fire can catch a city on fire. A city on fire can catch a county on fire. A county on fire can set a region on fire. And a region on fire will set a state on fire. And when West Virginia is burning, guess what we're going to see? We're going to see America begin to turn back to God. We're going to see America. We're going to see miracle signs and wonders. We're going to see stadiums filled with prayer. We're going to see the deaths healed. We're going to see blinded eyes open. We're going to see cancer fall off. Do it again, God. You want to know why you got to believe in this thing? Because God does not work in linear time. No. No, God doesn't work in linear time. Do you know what God operates in? It's like a staircase. It's the only way I can explain it to you. Because that's the way he explained it to me, and I'm not really smart, and he's got to explain it simplistically. He said, time, Jimmy, is like a staircase. Mind you, I got one sister-in-law that is bound by homosexuality that I'm telling you right now, if she got on this stage and started to do drama and dance, you would weep because of the mandate that's on her life. But here's where I know. In this timeline called life, she's not stuck where she's at. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. God looks beyond our sin and looks at covenant. Am I sitting here telling you that sin's okay? No, 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 no. But when God's got your number, he's pursuing you. And he won't stop pursuing you. If anybody knows, it was this alcoholic, drug addicted, pornography addicted. I'm just going to get raw with you. Jamie and Stacy know me. I was a misfit, messed up son of a gun that nobody would have thought God was going to send to the nation. But you want to know what? God was pursuing me. And some of you that are in a complacent state that you once had a fire and the fire lit out, guess what? The process of life, God's pursuing you. And it's getting ready to come full circle again. Just like that staircase. God had revival in the first great awakening. He had revival in the second great awakening. He had revival at Azusa Street. He had revival at Brownsville. And guess what's getting ready to happen? Revival is getting ready to bust loose again. You will be in church with your loved ones. You will see a generation turn back to God. Somebody in the house begin to believe. See, because in the staircase of time, God said, I'll take you from glory to glory. Glory to glory. 
some of you old saints start to dream again. Listen, I have got to sit next to T.O. Lowry. Just sitting next to him, I started weeping. If you don't know who T.O. Lowry is, he had the seventh largest tent in the 1940 healing revivals. God, what am I doing? Sitting next to T.L. Lowry. He said, Jimmy, it's because you believe for the impossible. God, Jimmy, you believe a city can be saved in a day. That a high school, through a prayer meeting and a Bible study that seems so simple in the beginning stages. you got to know the end. God is with you through it all. That a high school can be flipped upside down for the glory of Almighty God. Do it again, Lord. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. You want to know what revival really is? It's not an emotional experience. Revival is God's arrival. When man gets out of the way and God himself shows up in the meeting and says, I'm going to do what I want to do because I'm God. So you really want to know what revival looks like? Radical obedience. Today, we're going to quit saying no to the spirit of God. We're going to get consecrated rather than compromised. Well, I don't drink and I don't smoke. You're still compromised. You're still compromised. You're missing a piece, and we're going to find it today. We're going to crush insecurity. We're going to crush fear. We're going to crush attitudes. Because I'm telling you right now, I have spent on time on the phone with this man. I have prayed for this man and this woman, and I know where their heart is. I'm telling you right now, I know what their heart longs for, and they long to see a city saved in a day. I know what his voice sounds like when he talks about how proud he is of his son doing a Bible study at a school, and I've seen a school go from one kid in a youth group to 150 in a youth group, and all the churches in the area come against you, but it does not matter when you see cutters, and you see kids depressed, and you see pornography addiction. Literally, at one time in the youth group when I was a youth pastor on a Wednesday night when you would come into the youth room you would see pornography magazines ripped up and thrown on the altar DVDs smashed, secular music t-shirts burned and ripped up we were throwing our idols on the ground we were killing our idols will somebody begin to kill the idols of Baal in America this morning You really want revival? Then you better get ready for a collection. Not of money, but of crack pipes on the altar and bottles of liquor on the altar. You better get ready for the lepers to come. Come to the Jordan and get baptized. You better get ready for them to be baptized in this altar and go back to the kings of the world and say, look at me. When Jesus told the ten lepers to go, Here was the awesome part. All of them got healed. But the one that came back, the one that wouldn't compromise, the one that'll get up and, oh, I've been healed. I've been saved. Grace is not the finish line. It's the starting point. It's not the finish line. 
There's women's shoulders sitting right in this room, sitting dormant on potential, but today we call it back to life. There are parents in this room that you are raising your kids and you say, I want more, but you can't have more. And God said, I'm about to open the door to foster care to you. There's more. Quit sitting in a pew. I want to preach on the pulpit. God said, why don't you go down to the city park and begin to preach the gospel there? That's your platform. This one's taken care of. Why don't you go in obedience to where God showed you to go? I met a pastor yesterday that gave up his church that struggled for years. <laughs> Gives up his church, goes and serves under Perry Stone and Mark Castell. And now has started a Facebook ministry that once he used to preach to 30 people, finds the place of obedience and blessing. And guess what happens? He now has an audience that tunes in of over 250,000 people. When he tells you no, it's like my kids. Am I going to let my kids go and play in the road because they want to? No. I'm going to go snatch them up, bust their backside, and tell them to play where I told them to play because that's the blessed place. And some of you think that you're so spiritually minded, you're no earthly good because you won't submit yourself to spiritual authority. Let's get real. I was raised in this thing. I sat at the dinner tables and heard the gossip on the man of God. I can tell you right now, you're not going to get anywhere fast. When you begin to come, I don't know why I'm going here, but I'm here. I'm here. You want to know why? Because this is another thing with reformation that we need to deal with. Here's what I, you know what I say in our congregation? If you don't like how I do things, go somewhere else. Because I'd rather you go somewhere else than be happy than stay here and be dysfunctional and bring division. So if you're going to sit here and talk about the man and woman of God, then you need to pack your gifts and talents, begin to lay them at an altar, and go somewhere where you can be blessed. That's pretty harsh. No, it's not. It's not at all. Read your Bible. The book of Acts chapter 2 said that they had all things in common. If you don't like the direction of this boat is sailing, I'm telling you right now, Jonah, you better jump off and get to Nineveh because I'm telling you right now, this boat is carrying some cargo and it's going the direction that God has told the man of God to go and we're going to deliver the cargo. We're not going to throw cargo off and keep Jonah. We're going to throw Jonah off and keep the cargo because God has a mission for tabernacle of praise. That one was free right there. <laughs> ha! Oh, goodness. Man, when you hear him lead worship, I've known this man for some 10 years. There's such an anointing and such a purity on his life that I'm telling you, kids are coming from miles around just to hear this man sing and hear the word of God begin to come out of the prophets of this house. Oh, get on board with it. You want to know where you're going to get on board with it? When you discover reformation of what that flag means right there. An appeal to heaven. An appeal to heaven. Do you understand, everybody in the room, that that was our first American flag? Do you know that the picture of George Washington sailing across the Delaware 
is not truth? Go Google it. That is called the George Washington flag right there. On appeal to heaven, when the Revolutionary War started, people like Benjamin Franklin and George Washington, our leaders of this nation, would go to meetings called the First Great Awakening of the Nation. And men like Jonathan Edwards would begin to preach those meetings. And John Wesley and George Whitfield. By the way, George Whitfield was a 24-year-old student from Great Britain that God sent to America to bring the first great awakening. Don't you ever despise how young you are. There's no such thing called a junior Holy Ghost. So when these kids catch on fire, we're not going to give you the day after pill. We're going to say, birth this day, birth it, birth it, birth it, birth it. The first message ever preached in America to bring forth what we call a Pentecostal movement before Pentecostal ever existed because the first great awakening happened in 1736 and so on. The first message that was preached... I'd like to see this one on TBN. It's called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And Jonathan Edwards preached on the fire of hell. And he preached on consecration. And he preached against compromise. I'm telling you right now, if you work anywhere in this ministry and you don't have a prayer life, you're illegal. You're illegal. You're illegal. I can say that because I I get in my car and I go home tomorrow. But I'm not saying that to damage you. I'm saying that to you. That man, if we can get a prayer movement started, first with our families. You want to know how prayer got taken out of school in 1962? Because prayer had stopped in the home first. Because revival will start in the home before it starts in the church. Hear me, dads. You will be judged for your compromise that you let go in your house. And you sit and wonder while the man of God preaches his heart out on Sunday. And I don't know why we go to that church because my kids live like hellions. First of all, you better look at yourself and you better look at the sermons that get released on Monday, on Tuesday, on Thursday, on Friday, and on Saturday. The problem is you can't deal with the spirit of rebellion. You can't cast out demons because demons are your entertainment on television. Oh, you legalistic, dude. I'm telling you right now, there's going to be a resurrection of holiness. The old church had it right. Do you want to know what part they messed up? They started condemning everybody to hell and they didn't die on a cross for anybody. I tell you right now, to be in my leadership back north, you don't listen to secular music and you don't own cable TV. Straight up. Straight up. And if you go out to the movies with your family, it better be PG and under. Because you're not going to lay hands on people and cast out devils of people with crack addictions and heroin addictions and pornography addictions. And go think Hangover 2 is the greatest movie you ever saw. Oh, that's funny, isn't it? Yeah, you want to know what's funny? Is in Portage County, Ohio, where I'm at, we had 20 youth die in two weeks because of a bad batch of heroin. Hangover 2 is real funny. That, that, that's, our, that's, our, that's our entertainment. That's entertainment in the American church. That's our entertainment. We sit and watch sitcoms and understand why we can't have revival in the church when every sitcom makes the father look like an idiot. The last good father we had on television was Bill Cosby back in the 80s. 
And we sit and wonder. And then we want to be all puffed up like we're some big bad redneck. That if anybody ever come into my house, I got a shotgun and a ball bat. Listen, the devil's coming into your house every day from what you listen to and what you watch. I'm just getting real with you. You want to know why? Because if you really want revival in this house, this is the smallest this thing's ever going to be. And right now, today, this morning, is the least it's ever going to inconvenience you. I'm warning my leadership now. You might as well forget bridal showers, birthday parties. How can you say that? On my son's third birthday, you want to know where I was at? I was preaching at OCI with Perry Stone. What do you think my son wanted more for his birthday when he grows up? The fact that he got Thomas the train or the fact that his daddy got connected with the prophet to the nation? What's going to be more? What's the price? What's going to last? Thomas the train? Or the fact that I've had men like Perry Stone lay their hands on my kids. And it's not about the man. It's about the mantle. It's, it's not about the man. When Damon Thompson lays his hands on my kids, it's, it's, not, it's not about the man. It's about the mantle. One thing, if you know about Damon Thompson, yeah, he's a tattooed, long-haired son of a gun. That, yeah, he's kind of edgy and crosses the line sometimes. But here's what you got to know about Damon Thompson. Damon Thompson carries Oral Roberts' mantle. And when the place is right and he knows the consecration's right, he passes that mantle. And I'm telling you right now, that mantle rests on me and that mantle rests on my kids. And now I have to be the man of my house to begin to steward the mantle of Oral Roberts so that my kids can see blinded eyes open and deaf ears open and cancer fall off and diabetes and see the dead raised. Come on, the Bible says that these signs shall follow. Listen, these signs shall follow them that believe that you shall lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. Back to this flag. Everywhere that George Washington went, everywhere that he went, every battle that he won, every bunker that he won, every ship that he took over, that was the banner that was waved. And he said this, we are victorious because of our appeal to heaven. You want to know why we're so discouraged in the American church? Because we forgot to pray. Jesus didn't teach the disciples how to preach. He didn't teach them how to hold a conference. You know what he taught them to do? Pray. And he took dysfunctional adolescence. If you do your theology, disciples were not 30 and 40 years old. The oldest one would have been Peter, who was the only one that was married. And Peter in that time was probably anywhere from the age of 24 to 26. That's it. James and John, the sons of thunder. The sons of Zebedee were on their daddy's fishing boat when they were called. Teenagers, you know what that means in that theological time? They were your age. And they were the two that were called the sons of thunder that believed in all of their heart they could call down lightning from heaven. 
What would happen if you started believing today? What would really happen if we started to believe? What would really begin to happen if we started to believe in this house? The only way that we're going to believe is in Matthew 16. If we understand the true call of salvation. The true call of salvation is not the sinner's prayer. Believe it or not, the sinner's prayer is not even in the Bible. What do you mean? In, 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 in Romans 8, it says that if you call upon the name of the Lord, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, then you shall be saved. Do you want to know what the story is behind that? The story behind that is in Romans 8. Was Caesar would send out his soldiers. And he would find people working at the grocery store. Caesar would find men working on road crews. Working construction jobs. Going into schoolhouses. And when he would go into those places, there would be six people in the room and they would all have to get down on their knees and they would go up to him like this and say, do you confess that Caesar is Lord? And they would confess Caesar is Lord. And then they would confess Caesar is Lord. And they would confess Caesar is Lord. But then they would come to this guy. Who's your Lord? And he would say, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You want to know what happened next? They would cut his head off. They would cut his head off. They would cut his head off. So what is the true call of salvation? The true call of salvation. I searched through the Bible and I found Matthew 16 verse 24. In Matthew 16 verse 24. If we're going to do this thing and we're going to get marked and we're going to flip a city and we're going to flip a high school. Then we've got to understand the price that has to be paid through consecration. Through giving your life to Jesus Christ. Am I against the sinner's prayer? I'm not against it. But I am against this. Don't ask Jesus to just have your heart give him your entire life he didn't just halfway die so he can have one little bit of you he died so he can have you from top to bottom That's the true call of salvation that we've got to understand in America. That it's not this watered down grace that you repeat a prayer and you keep living the complacent sinful life that you keep living We have to get to the place that we will not tolerate sin anymore. We have to get to the place that we stand up in love and say homosexuality is wrong. We've got to get to the place that we stand up and we say this. I'm telling you right now, I heard in a church of God church, and I'm just going to get real with you. Okay? And I know this is going to offend some people, but you show worse stuff on your TV, okay? In a church of God church right now in marriage counseling, they're teaching young married couples that masturbation is okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the assemblies of God and church of God, it's okay to go out and get wasted. God loves you. God loves you. you for somehow they forgot to read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. That talks about the things that are not tolerable to God. The unrighteousness that will cast you into a lake of fire. We forgot that scripture. And remember that the nation was founded on a sermon preached called sinners in the hands of an angry God. God is tired of watching us become daycares in churches when we're called to be boot camps to raise up the army of God. We cannot put pacifiers in 
in people's mouths anymore. It's time that we get real with you in your marriage. Get real with you on how you raise your kids. It's time that we get back to the basics of the Bible of Christianity and say it's black, white, or red. It's black, white, or red. It is written. I'm tired of people dealing with it because Jesus clearly said that it is finished on the cross. So if it is finished, I'm done dealing with the little itty bitty sins of it. It's time for it to go on the cross where it belongs. The reading of the Bible says this. Jesus says to follow him. Remember the rich young ruler? When Jesus comes upon the rich young ruler, he begins to say this. What good thing can I do to follow you? He says, listen, to follow me, you got to give up your life. You got to sell your possessions. What a lot of people begin to think with the rich young ruler is this, that they think that the great possessions means great wealth, that he had a lot of money. It wasn't the fact that he had a lot of money. It says this, that he had great possession. He was good because he had one or two houses. He was good because he had about three TVs and four computers and a laptop and an iPad and a smartphone that's so smart that you can look up pornography anywhere that you go. That kind of makes it a dumb phone. You want to know some of the greatest altar calls we like to give when we're on circuit riders? We like to give a call for salvation, and we like to give a call for pornography. And you know what we do for our call of pornography? We tell kids to bring their phones up on the stage. You know what we tell them to do with their phones? If you're looking at pornography on your phone and you're sexting, then I want you to crush that devil. And we give kids hammers. Some of your parents right now are thinking, why in the world? No, I, no, you need to think why in the world. Would you rather your kid have a phone or would you rather him go to hell? We need to open our eyes. How did we get here in America? How did we get in the place that we're in in America with same-sex marriage and alcohol and drugs? How did we get to this place where we have more programs than we do prayer meetings when the nation was founded on an appeal to heaven? A revolution of pioneers started on a prayer meeting. God, let us find the peace that is missing Jesus said, so here's red letters. Jesus said to the disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Are you a follower or a fan of Christianity? You want to know you're a fan and not a follower? If you come here to get entertained and get your goosebumps on Sunday, but you don't pray, read your Bible or seek and worship God through the week and you come here starving. When you should be coming here to get equipped. Because when I was in the Marine Corps and I was in boot camp, I did not go to training hungry. I went to training rested up, charged up, ready to go, ready to be equipped so that you can be the revival that your family needs to see. That you can be the revival and the awakening that America needs to see. It is, listen, if you're looking at me and saying, I can't do what you do. Yes, you can. You don't want to do what I do. You can do this. I tell high school football players every week, the most dangerous thing in the world is somebody who believes in their self and believes in what they're doing. The most dangerous thing in the world is somebody who believes. 
We have got to believe in this place. He said, follow me. That means follow his lead. Follow the footsteps of Christ. Don't get caught in the snare of compromise. Don't get caught in the snare in the book of Corinthians. Listen, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. Do you want to know what a stronghold is? A stronghold is a lie perceived to be the truth. I'm not buying in. I'm not buying in. I'm not going to buy into the lie that my family can't be saved. I'm not buying into the lie that my family can't be healed. I'm not buying into the lie that a generation cannot be flipped upside down for the glory of Almighty God. I'm not believing in the lie. If it happened in this Bible, remember the timeline? God's going to do it again. If it happened in the first great awakening, God's going to do it again. If it happened in Azusa Street, God's going to do it again. If it happened in Brownsville, God's going to do it again. God is getting ready to do it again here at Tabernacle of Praise. Jesus said, follow me. I love the next verse. It says, for whosoever desires. In number six, the deepest consecration you can do is a Nazarite vow. And it says this, to desire it. To desire it. If you also look at spiritual gifts of tongues, prophecy, love, healing, deliverance, leadership. It says to desire spiritual gifting. Our desires have to change today. The greatest worship that could be in this house is not a song that is sung, but it's our flesh burning on an altar that becomes an incense of consecration to Almighty God, not because I want to be disciplined and follow a bunch of rules, but I want to see a city saved in a day, and I want to see the glory and the transformation of Almighty God. I'm not here for a glorified country club of 45 minutes, coffee and donuts, but I want to see lives changed and transformed Transformed for the glory of Almighty God. God change our desires today. For whosoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Go to Luke 15 with me. Notice what he said. You got to find something. Seekers are all over the Bible. But seekers are not 45-minute services watered down. In the first great awakening with Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield, it said this, that literally that they would have worship for four to five hours. And what you got to understand in the first great awakening of this nation in the 1700s, in the first great awakening, they would travel some 10 to 30 to 40 miles by horse and buggy that would take three and four days, not for a big conference, but for them to gather and assemble together to encounter the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And after they would travel about three to four days, they would get in the woods where there is no air conditioning. They would get on farms where there is no air 
AC and there's no air fresher in the vents. They would get in the places that were uncomfortable. They would get in the places that were not easy. They would get in the place that it would cost them something. We've got to get back to the place that Christianity is going to cost me something. And then after three or four days of travel, they would come and they would lend to worship and they would lift up a roar. They said in the Cane Ridge Revival that when you would come through the woods, 30,000 people in Cane Ridge, Kentucky would begin to worship God. And they said that it would sound like the roar of Niagara, that even atheists would need to come through the woods. And the moment that they hear the worship of Almighty God, of 30,000 people not being silent, the church has been silent enough, but they would begin to lift their voice to the Almighty God and the Spirit of God would begin to chase them and hunt them down till they begin to give their lives to Jesus Christ. Then after four to five hours of worship, after the atmosphere was set, they weren't worried about Bob Evans. They weren't worried about birthday parties, barbecues. See, the problem is we're getting a dab of presents because if you ever get the whole thing, oh, you don't want anything else. You get frustrated if there's anything else. If you ever come in real contact with the one, you're not, you don't care to lay down your life. You, you don't care. There, there's no caring. There, there, that, that, that's one thing about the old church that we need to get back, that they had such an encounter with God that they didn't care to have Sunday night church meeting till 2 in the morning. Am I not wrong? Would we not meet at Brimfield Community Church when I was a kid and have revival meetings that would last some 6, 7 weeks and we wouldn't get out of church till 2, 3 in the morning? My dad would get back up, work at 5 because the Bible says if you don't provide for your family, you're worse than an infidel. So the man of God would begin to get up and say the joy of the Lord is my strength and he would go provide for his family and then we would meet the next night and as soon as people got off work they would come back to the house of God at 4 and 5 o'clock in the afternoon begin to pray the service don't start till 7 they would begin to seek God for the direction that God wants to take the church not our little program that we want to confine him in but they want the spirit of God to begin to move and transform and they would stay till God is done I know you've heard this saying around this place because I say it today when we think we're done, I make this little statement. Are all hearts and minds clear? Because if they're not, we ain't going anywhere. Why would you settle for a God that is 100% and not receive the 100%? We're done buying into the lie today. We're done buying into the lie and we're going to go find what's missing. You want to know one of the biggest things that's missing in the church? Sinners. In Luke 15, Jesus had one thing that he had an issue with. And here's what's funny. He begins to preach. And every time he preaches, Jesus just wants to deal with sinners. But the moment he starts to deal with sinners, hear this. Y'all are starting to deal with something. Pastor's been telling me. Y'all getting some new families, some dysfunctional people. I'm like, yeah, those are revivalists right there. Come, just walk in smoking a cigarette. I don't even care if you got a beer in your hand when you come in. Just come in. Just come in. Just come in. 
Just come in. I don't care if you got needles hanging out of your arm. Just come. I don't care if you were stripping the night before. Just come in. Just come in. Just come. Just come. And I'm telling you right now, when you start a fire, you're not going to have to worry about advertisement. Because I'm going to tell you now, we didn't get a web page till a month ago. Come on. Come on. Just get a fire burning. Just get a fire in a prayer meeting. Just begin to host the presence of God and begin to watch people begin to come from miles around. Just watch them begin to come. So the moment Jesus begins to deal with sinners, Guess who begins to stick their nose in and say, you can't deal with it this way? The Pharisees and the scribes. So Jesus went from telling the sinners that, listen, you can go after the 99. You can leave the 99 and go after the one. So we figure this out. There's a lost sheep that we're looking for. In Luke 15, in the first chapter, in the first verse there, in Luke chapter 15, we begin to see that Jesus tells them that, listen, all of heaven rejoices over one lost soul, not over a nugget, not over a good sermon, not over a good building, not over a good program, not over a good offering. The Bible says that all of heaven, our loved ones that have gone on to be with the Lord, those that have paid the price, begin to have a party in heaven when one sinner comes to the Lord. I'm telling you, if Jesus is telling that story, I'm going to get excited. But the problem was their desires and what they came for when they heard Jesus was wrong. So guess what Jesus has to do? He has to go back into another parable. Now he starts talking about a lost coin. He goes from a lost coin, and we're going to go back to that, to that wasn't good enough either. And he says it again. He has to repeat himself. When you find the missing piece, all of heaven rejoices over the one piece. Wasn't good enough. So the simplicity is, Jesus now goes into a father-son relationship of a boy that's prodigal. And when he starts to talk about the prodigal son, he first starts out with the boy's issue and his mindset and his language is give me. Oh, snap. This ain't good. Because all of our songs and all of our sermons in America right now are about what can you give me, Santa God? What can you give me? What can you bless me with? And that kind of mindset gets a boy in the place of an inheritance, salvation. But then from salvation, it becomes a finish line rather than a starting point. And he takes the very thing that he's inherited with. I'm telling you right now, there are prophetic words that sit over this man and over this man right here. That I'm telling you, when he was in Ohio, you want to know the first thing that we did when we started overtaking? We started praying and honoring C.T. and Fran Matthews because we want to honor the inheritance that they left, that they plowed, and they cried out. And those things are lingering in an atmosphere. And I raised up a bunch of rednecks and said, grab hold and honor your heritage, honor your heritage, honor your heritage. But this boy takes his inheritance and he wastes it. And he comes to the place of a pig pen. And he starts eating on corn husk. Understand this. Corn husk will fill you. A give me mindset with God 
will fill you, but it won't grow you. Because corn husk has no nutrients to sustain you to go to the next level. So the only way that he could go to the next level, the missing piece that he had to find in his life, that he was fulfilled with the preachers preaching on Sunday, then he would go and get fulfilled with pornography on Monday, he would go and she would go and get fulfilled with some gossip on Tuesday. But we shouldn't wonder why we're not growing in a pew. Because you're still coming on Sundays to say, give me. But when he realized his state that he was in, he knew he had to go back to the father and his language changed. You want to know what his language was this time? Make me. Make me. Make me. You know what's awesome? There was a fatted calf prepared. God don't look at your sin. He looks at your covenant. God don't look at your sin. What you need to start praying for, listen, you got kids that you raised up in the way, don't start praying that a spirit of alcohol break off their life. Just begin to remind God of his covenant with them. Are you saying that you can get saved and do whatever you want? No, but I'm telling you right now, sometimes we need to thank God for the hell that we've been through because I made this decision. If I'm going to go through hell, you better believe I'm going to come out on fire. If I'm going to go through hell, you better believe that I'm going to come on fire for the almighty God and go shake a nation. See, you don't know my story. You don't know when my mom would put prayer cross in my shoes and put them in my pants and put them in my car and put them in my I couldn't run without finding a prayer call somewhere because my mom was reminding God that you have a covenant with my son and you either let him preach the gospel or you take his life. You're not looking at some Lee University graduate. And I know I'm not the best preacher in the world. But I'll tell you right now, I will get in a prayer closet with you and we will rock for hours. We will rock for hours. We will rock for hours till we begin to see the drunkards and the prostitutes and the lesbians and the gossipers and the slanderers and the murderers begin to come to the house of God. Let's get on our knees and begin to appeal to heaven that sinners will deliver themselves to the hands of a just God. But here's what we got to look out for. As we find the missing piece around here, some of you people better look out. Because there's a story in the Bible that nobody likes to preach. Nobody. You want to know what it's about? The prodigal's brother. Look at this with me. Right now in verse 25. We're going to find out if some of y'all need religion broken off today. Because, I listen, this is what we say to our house all the time. You better get your act together. You want to know why? Because lepers are going to run you over. Because if you read your Bible, the Bible says that all of creation groans and waits as a woman in labor pains. You know what she's waiting on? The manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. 
And when you start to see the sons and daughters like this man of God begin to manifest and begin to cry out for the lost, you better look out, older brother, because the younger brother's coming home. I'm telling you right now, we have not begun to see the prophets that are sitting on ball stools. You have not begun to see the apostles that are in whorehouses. You have not begun to see what, like, listen, the Bible says, eye has not seen and ear has not heard what God has prepared for those that love him. And there are some people that are in brokenness and hurt by the church that, listen, that love God, but they're in a prison right now. And I'm telling you, those lepers are coming and they're going to grab a microphone and they're going to rock a house and their older brother's going to look at them and say, where in the world did he come from? And I'm telling you right now, God calls who he wants to call. And when it's time for the prodigal son to begin to come home, you better look out. They're coming back to the father and they're saying, I'm not going back to the pig pen. Yeah, come on. Come on. Verse 25 says this. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard what? He heard music and dancing. Remember, all of heaven rejoices over one soul. So when the church starts to see your unsaved loved ones and a dysfunctional fatherless generation begin to come to the Lord. You know what you're going to see? You're going to see the loud roar of the Cane Ridge Revival. You're going to see, like back in the 1980s, that was literally birthed out of the Quakers when the Spirit of God comes up in the house and people begin to shake and begin to shout because the power of God is so strong. Why did the church get silent and compromised and quiet? I thought we were Pentecostal. It's time that we quit going off of a title and start putting action back to it. Your church name don't make you Pentecostal. Your church name don't make you prophetic. And your church name don't make you charismatic. You want to know who lights the fire within your lamp? His name is Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. I don't care what church you attend. I'm telling you right now, denominational walls are getting ready to fall. For those of you that are fifth, sixth, seventh generation church of God, get ready. Y'all about to marry the assemblies of God in the Baptist? Huh. Hear me. Hear, listen, I'm having prayer meetings right now with Baptist pastors. And guess what we're doing in the prayer closet? We're talking in tongues. We're prophesying over a region. Yeah, listen, I don't care what color your flag is. There's all kind of colors in the rainbow, and the rainbow means new covenant, not gay covenant. It means a new covenant with God. So I'm saying let all denominations begin to come together. see the Holy Ghost break out in a Catholic church. I want to see a breakout in the Methodist church. I want to see a breakout in the Presbyterian church. Oh, my goodness. It says, now the older brother was in the field and he came and drew near to the house and he heard music and he heard dancing. If you're offended by music and dancing, you want to know what's gotten a hold of you? The spirit of the older prodigal brother. And today we need to get to an altar and put that spirit on an altar and begin to kill it and bury it right here, right now. I'm going to dance. I'm going to rejoice. 
not going to tone it down. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. We're in a great place for revival in America. We're in a great place for God's arrival to show up. And here's the thing. You want to know what's going to make it happen? One person with a pure heart, Elijah, that will cry out in Isaiah 40's prophecy to make the crooked places straight and bring the high places low. And the voice of the Lord said this, cry out, cry out. So if there's an intercessor in this church crying out and you don't like loud music and you don't like dancing, then you better head for the hills and go to a place that don't pray. Go to a place that makes you Dr. Feel Good and Oprah Winfrey yourself for the week. Because I'm telling you right now, God is resurrecting some intercessors in this hour that if it doesn't hit this church first, it's going to hit it at least second or third. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. I'm prophesying to you that revival is coming to this house. I'm telling you, revival is coming to West Virginia. And this is an open door and an open gate of what eye has not seen and ear has not heard. He was mad about music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked... What do these things mean? Dude, revival's breaking out. And you're gossiping about it. See, the problem is you won't go to the authority and ask what's going on. You'll go to one of his elders and ask what's going on. You'll go to one of the deacons and ask what's going on. You'll go to the worship leader and ask what's going on. You'll go to the youth booster and ask what's going on. When, listen... When Moses got the vision for them to leave the place of bondage, he gave it to the authority. So if you want to know what's going on in the church, there's only two people you need to ask. Well, I just don't even think we're Pentecostal anymore. We quit singing hymnals and we don't even do it. Stop. Stop. You're illegal. You want to know why? Because you first never ask God what's going on. And secondly, you never ask the man of God what's going on. So what you're doing is now sowing division within the church. And that is not, listen, that is the same. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm going here. Why do we continue to think in the American church that God is approved with our church attendance? You don't get a little sticker on the door on the way in. Why have we grabbed this mentality that what got Satan kicked out of heaven, we can act the same way and get in? Just let that one sit for a minute. You want to see your kids saved? Then when we get in this altar call today, you need to go to the person that you've been talking about and you need to repent. You need to figure out what your missing piece is is why you're so bitter. You need to figure out what your missing piece is of why you don't dance and rejoice anymore. I don't know where she's at, but the woman that was over here in the corner, that's my kind of folk. If you want to know who I hang out with, it's the kooky prophetic people. They'll lay with me in prayer meetings for three hours. They'll weep and cry out to God. And you know what that's producing in our church? 
My five-year-old son getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. My five-year-old son prophesying. My five-year-old son, hear me, my five-year-old son standing in a prayer meeting with 50 people and starts tears streaming down his face. Because we got people that aren't conservative. We've got people that do not care. All they care about is going after the presence of Almighty God. And if they know if the presence is missing in our church, we're missing every bit of it. So they sit and they listen to a five-year-old stand and pray in tongues and just cry out, Jesus in revival. Jesus in revival. You think I'm bluffing on this? Because it started to happen. And I'm like, Lord, is my son really getting, I'm just going to tell you. Bible says, try the spirits. Is my son just imitating what he's heard? Or is he really getting baptized in the Holy Ghost at five years old? He comes over to me with tears in his eyes and pulls on my shirt. And he says, daddy, Jesus spoke to me. And when he spoke to me, he prophesied out of the Bible, two verses that it's for the favor of the Lord is for all generations and the set time is now. And when he said that, one of the elders in the church said, I I believe it's in Psalms 102 or Psalms 12, verses 12 through 14. And everybody fell on their face and started weeping. How does that happen with a five-year-old? Because he's got a daddy that's more worried about consecration than compromise. I'm not going to let TV shows harm my kids. I'm not going to worry about desiring to hang out with the Joneses so I look good on this earth. Some of you buy a new car because somebody else in the church bought a new car. And so they got blessed and you got in debt. I'm just being honest. When do we stop competing with one another? And when do we join hands? Because she's got loved ones that need to be in this house. And sir, you have loved ones that need to be in this house. And I'm going to close with this. And I know this has been lengthy. But I wanted to give you the meat of this. Tonight won't be as long. In the parable of the lost coin, it says the woman finally figured out she's missing something. And she goes through her house frantically searching for it till she finds it. And the Bible clearly states that she finds the peace that she's been missing. If you don't have a fire for this thing called Christianity anymore, what's your missing peace? Because Pastor Brian, I, I wouldn't trade anything for laying in altars with little girls that are broken. We have a 13-year-old girl that just got saved, her and her mother, three weeks ago. Do you know at 13 years old, she's already had three abortions? 13! You have got to get disgusted with 45-minute church services, church as usual, when people are dying out there. 
You want to know what I pray for? Not a revelation of heaven. Since I was a little boy, I've asked God, show me hell. Show me hell. I want to see it. I want to see it. Show me hell, God. Show me hell. I've begged for it. You want to know why? Because I got two sisters that are on their way there right now. If God does not intervene, and I know God's got a call in their life. I'm going to tell you right now, I cry out to God for Lee Lovejoy because I'm telling you right now, Lee has got a man on his life to be an evangelist to the nation. I'm telling you, Lee has got a call. When you get in a secret place and quit praying about your needs and start praying about your family, God will start revealing things to you that you did not see before. And you'll look at it in a completely different view. There'll be no problem being in this altar, appealing to heaven for a revolution to happen. See, but the problem is our compromise has got us to a place of justification. That we're content and we're comfortable in the pew. How many people in the room have a call to pastor? Raise your hand. Anybody in the room has got a call to pastor? Raise it high. Raise it up. If you're called to be a pastor. Doesn't have to be in a building. You could be called to be the pastor of your company that funds the kingdom. Why are we settling? The Bible says these signs shall follow them that believe. Why can't you walk into your next family outing And grab your brother, sister, nieces, nephew that you know are in danger of hell. You know they're in danger of abortion. You know they're cutting themselves. You know they're in drug addiction. Demons don't have any control over you. The only control they have is what you've given them. I'm done. Listen, if you ain't figured it out by now, I I am not a soft, weak, mild Christian. I'm a man's man. I will cut a deer right now. Straight up. I'll bite the heart out of that sucker. Why am I saying that? Because man, there's more to you than a pew. There's more to you. And I know some of this was hard today, but it's truth. And some of you older saints know it's truth. And some of you need to shake the sluggardness off today. Abraham and Sarah, and get up and raise a generation. Some of you are raising your own grandkids. When it's time that you go straight after the demon that's containing your own kids. Prayer and fasting shakes things, breaks things. You are. Our revival, stand to your feet.